Welcome to an American's Guide to Formula One. Now let's start the show. The long wait for our return has ended. Let's start another episode of An American's Guide to Formula One. I'm Andy Lewis, joined by the phone by the usual co-host, Papa T-Sauce. What up, Dad? Well, your mother and I are finally getting recovered from our three-week vacation. That's right. Uh, We forgot to mention this on our last episode that this, this break might happen. But I got super busy with work, and Papa T-Sauce, a.k.a. Tim Lewis, uh, and my lovely mother celebrated their, what year, Dad? 40th. 40th wedding anniversary, a much-deserved nice break in Hawaii. Was it just the best? It was really nice. Good. You know, it was, uh, it was, uh, it, we, it's not as nice as, like, being on, um, oh, what the heck! One where the couple three years ago was we were on uh, Kauai. Uh-huh. That was prettier. That was prettier, but the Big Island has a ton of history. Yeah, and it made very clear that if the volcano would won't get you, the tsunami probably will. So, <laughs> well, <it's- laughs> I'm glad none of that happened, and that we have you yeah. back here on the mainland. And boy, do we have a lot to discuss because those races came fast and frequent and uh, not my favorite results, but they're results that we yet need to talk about and get on the books and and recorded. And uh, there's a lot of news also to discuss. So we should just jump right in. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, let's start with our favorite track, and I'm glad we actually got to see a race this year at the beautiful oh. spa. Um, and it was a race. It was a, a fairly good race, but it seemed very predictable, From and, and it shouldn't have been, wouldn't you say? Well, I was hoping it would be that predictable, but... Boy, um, but- I mean, Max just, it was such, it was weird. And I was listening to and seeing the commentary from, you know, the journalists and it was, uh, especially the guys from the race. Um, but they said they could not remember a time where something that seemed so outlandish, you know, Max starting in P14 and it was like, he was just gonna win still. Like it, it, it seemed like there was nothing that was going to get in the way. And I mean, right. Within the first lap, it just it just kind of knew who was going to win. It just seemed it just how could he how could Max not? Yeah, I mean he went from fourteen P fourteen to P eight by lap five, and it's not like I mean it's not like no overtaking can happen at Spa, but it is an old school race circuit, and it isn't the easiest track to overtake. And yet Max did thirteen of them. Or more, because he got with safety car stuff. Right. What did you think of the new on Rouge? I thought it was really cool what they had done. I didn't, yeah. I, uh, um, th- you know, for all yeah. those you didn't know that they had some flooding uh, in continuation from the rain out last year, but also that they had some pretty prolific flooding before and after that, uh, or after that, and they had to redo 
uh, a fair bit of the racing surface through the En Rouge, which is everybody knows what En Rouge is. And if you don't, it's like this really iconic um, kind of like uh, right, left, downhill, uphill uh, on this big charge up to Radion up the hill and at Spa. It's one of, yeah. I would say that R32, huh. Maggots, Beckett's. I mean, it's it's on the short list of the most iconic uh, exactly. F1 track yeah. like turns and segments of racetrack in in racing and they i agree they, they had to redo it but they really tried hard to keep it the same none of the drivers really said they had to, uh there was a huge difference i think i want to what i think i want to say it was ocon or somebody said it's more of a left hand or right hand turn now um but they also added a ton of um like a spectator, a a, a stand, a, a what's the word I'm trying to say? Like a, well, a stand, stands like or like an amphitheater. Yeah, like a a place for people to to buy tickets and sit. <laughs> right. Uh, grandstand. But is, but there we a, go. But is, grandstand. Is it the grandstand, or is it like sort of like a tiered amphitheater? I didn't really take notice. I much, mean, but. regardless, it's not. It was just a grassy hill for for all these years and uh it's it's not it's now a place to sit and buy tickets to so yeah that's cool because that's where i mean that's where i'd want to sit i don't yeah i don't know if if the if the left-hander going down into the compression was shorter whether the right-hander coming out of the compression at the bottom of the hill going back up the hill is longer but you know, there was passes being done right, right there. Yeah, uh, which is oh, just uh, just think, awesome. I think in Sonoda or Joe, I think it was Joe had a real cool moment through there. Well, yeah. Uh, well, there was a who was it um, several years ago? Who? Oh, it was Roikinen. How he? Yeah. Sort. So, I can't remember who he was racing, but he he got. Um, I say it was Weber. It was pretty far back yeah. with Weber. Yeah, that was a great move. Yeah. And uh, so, but uh, no, it was the paint scheme on the runoffs and everything was cool. And, uh, you know, just a beautiful place, of course. It is. And then there was a lot of rumors during the race and at the time that, um, that, that there was a chance that Spa wasn't going to be on the, the calendar. Yeah, like they're, uh, but I do think that they confirmed it for another year, at least another year. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I imagine Liberty Media probably got inundated with "Are you crazy?" <laughs> type of stuff. Make this work. I mean, I mean, you all. We don't. I don't think we need to like reiterate how much we love that. I opened the segment talking about how it's our, it is our favorite, our well, favorite track. It, yeah, it was part of the original um, series in 1950. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the oldest racetracks that we still race at. But I don't think it counts as the oldest because they've changed the track layout. Uh, I think Monaco or Spa. I, I think what it is is the is the, um, the single most um, place, I guess. The track has changed, but it's still. It's um, um, 
the original track from 1950. Yeah. So it is the longest circuit. It has it's the circuit that's been the longest in the Formula One series. Yeah, even over um, the British. So I think, irrespective of changes or whatever, it's the fact it's in the same place and it yeah. has been so since 1950. And it's it just is a cool place. It's a really cool trait. Uh, track with really beautiful and the drivers all really love it it's one of the mm-hmm. it's still one of the courses that they say really separate the good drivers from the great drivers like there's a lot of really tech it's it's a very interesting mix uh, and it's an interesting car setup challenge and we saw that with ferrari and um with mercedes this year and how Red Bull just got it so right. And that's why I think they were so dominant is that they found because, well, I think it's two things. They found a really nice setup. But, I mean, we have, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. They found a really nice setup. And then the inherent chassis design from the brilliance of Adrian Newey always gives the Red Bull a really nice balance between are a really good setup for the tight and twisty stuff. And then the thing that they've always usually lacked but aren't lacking anymore is having that straight line speed performance, which they have in spades this year. Yeah, uh, they, some, somehow they found it. Yeah, well, I think you know. they learned from Mercedes that it doesn't matter how good you are. If you can be 30 miles an hour faster than everybody, you're going to win. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But... But I, I, I do also want to highlight the fact – well, when I say that because that first year with the hybrids when Mercedes was really dominant, I think they were something like 30 kilometers an hour faster than everybody else without DRS. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The thing that I wanted to highlight, though, is, is um, Max finished 17 seconds ahead of, of Sergio and was dominating during qualifying – as well um and it so it's not i mean the red bull was the fastest car but then max was on another level above that because he did start in p14 and won and there's very i mean yes it wasn't the best car for that specific racetrack and arguably the best raced car on the grid this season well definitely the best race car based on the results but he also drove that car exceptionally well and it and like got that car there too and you can just watch especially i was watching some of the onboards between like specifically like the bus stop chicane um and radion and like the the amount of confidence and speed that max is taking through some of those corners that perez just can't come near can't even come near to it um and in the same car with the same setup, and so it was. Uh, it was a very dominant race for Red Bull. Um, um, they did finish P one, P two, but it was a really, really outrageously dominating performance for Max. And I mean, you all know our opinions on Max. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of his, but <laughs> one quick way to shut up, you know, any you know, doubters is to just do drives like that. Like there's no, no doubt, you know, like you can't, like I can not like the guy, but he has all my respect and he is on a, on another stratosphere right now than anybody currently driving a formula one car, in my opinion, but we'll get more onto that 
because this wasn't the only race that he was dominant. And there was a couple of other drivers who had some interesting things and other things that we needed to talk about. Chief among which, I can't believe we're 12 minutes into the podcast and we didn't talk about, and we haven't talked about Lewis and Alonzo's bumper bumper. What what was yeah. your, What do you think about that, Daddy-O? Well, I, I think that uh, Alonzo may have summed it up yeah. because a subsequent race to, to this race, sort of the same thing happened, but it, what did uh, Fernando say? It's just, this guy doesn't know, it doesn't know how to drive from any position on the track other than if he's in the league. Yeah. Which I so, think was, it was harsh, but I mean, and let, to be fair, well, it, was a, it, it was a, it was a bonehead move. I mean, it should have been harsh. I mean, I mean, he wrecked it. I mean, I guess the only thing about it is that it, it took him out of the race because yeah. of his, mistake and didn't take anybody else out and i will say hamilton makes few mistakes like he he is for a lot of the time pretty darn near perfect and yes he does know how he does lead and drive from the front a lot alonzo you're right but i don't think he doesn't know how to but I think that was a heat of the moment. Alonzo ended up apologizing and saying, you know, he was mad at the time. But the the whole thing that I really liked, and again, one of the reasons why I am a Lewis fan, is there was some some he was in a post race interview or not post race, but after he got back, which he, he he walked back. I thought that was it was like three miles away from the from the uh, start where uh, and he just was like walking. And then there was a couple of great memes too that I saw where it was like they just like Lewis Hamilton starts his walk to Zanvoort early or something. <laughs> like, oh yeah! But <laughs> he was being asked about like, uh, you know, did you hear what Alonzo said? And like, and like she was really trying to you know stir up the drama. I forget the name of the reporter, and he says it doesn't matter what he said. I'm at fault. I know I'm at fault. I apologize for being at fault, and frankly, it doesn't matter what he said. And I was like, "Wow, that like way to just 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 rise above that, like and not play the game yeah. that they're trying to get you to play." And again, Leclerc did it earlier in the season too. I just like some of these guys. It's just it's such a rare thing, I think, in sports and in elite sports and people who are at the top of their field to ever it you know, put their hands up and take responsibility for something. Like it just seems like such a rare thing in this world these days. And it just, it garners so much of my respect when people can have that humility and have that, you know, no, I, it was me. It was me. Well, agreed. And it really adds a lot of credibility to the sport because a lot of sports aren't like that. Well, and a lot of other drivers aren't like that. I think it's one of the reasons why I never really was ever on the Schumacher fan, you know, so long is that he was so irrational a lot of the time. Is that he mm-hmm. would he would cause accidents and then still try and say that they're not his fault and it was the other person's fault. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. afterwards where they're like, Look, watch this replay. Watch how you turn your steering wheel into this guy. You know, <laughs> like or crossed, yeah. you know, like they would, they'll wait, you know, years and decades later and be like, yeah, I, I, I crashed into him, you know, but, um, 
But to just, no, I, I made the mistake. I was in the wrong, and I'm sorry, and let's move on. Let's not let's not drum up drama for drama's sake. I'm not going to, you know, I was in the wrong. Yeah. I thought that was just really stand-up, really worth talking about. It was a shame to, to have Lewis out of the race, but, you know, it's his own fault. Right. Uh, other things? Yeah, that was... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Good thing. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's, uh, uh, you know, apart from that, um, well, about the, oh gosh, the, the kerfuffle on the second lap between Latifi and into toward Ocon and Botas trying to avoid Ocon and then ends up being beached. Oh yeah. Uh, just from avoiding and losing control. I don't know if they really even hit, but, uh, just, oh, man, it just continues that if Valtteri Botas doesn't have bad luck, he doesn't have luck at all. That, like, yeah. I mean, it just like he, they, he's been absolutely pl- plagued with unreliability. Um, from, you know, where, where Alpha Tar or Alpha Romero started the season to where they are now, like, and just, it's just yeah, it's a it. you, you were really expecting them to, you know, kind of really fight for the for the lead of the rest of the. Uh, what yeah, do they call I it? Mean, the, from the start, it seemed like they rest had of the rest. But I think, yeah, I think they, their 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 development just stalled, and uh, I think they early on had one of the lightest cars. They came in significantly underweight compared to what other cars were, and. Every other team has really gotten lighter and faster and developed, and they've kind of just stayed where they were. Um, so it's not like they've and then and then been plagued by um, reliability. But I mean, Joe has been out outdoing Botas for a couple of qualifying sessions lately. <sighs> it's just disappointing because I do still. Yeah, like it is because you know. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, other standout drives were oh, I thought Ocon had some pretty exceptionally had two double overtakes, which were just really yeah. awesome to see. Um, and then the other thing that was just I mean chalk it up to the what we'll talk about, you know, and when we move on to Zanvar too. But just so just Ferrari and they're just boneheaded, just l- like sloppy slop strategy and and practices where they concede that Leclerc is not going to finish on the podium. Um, Yeah. So they pit pit to get the fastest lap, which I mean, seems, you know, is kind of the current, why not get it up, get that point or take that point away. Um, But it's sloppy. And then he comes out close to Alonzo. Alonzo ends up overtaking him then he has to do that back on the track and still try and get the fastest lap. Ends up getting the fastest lap, but it's all kind of a moot point because he gets a penalty for um, speeding. Uh, speeding, speeding in the, in the pit. Lane. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so you just took a huge risk to lose way more than you would have gained, you know? And I just, it just seems. It's like if you're going to do something, do it and commit to it, but don't be sure not to make bonehead mistakes that cost you so drastically. Um, yeah. But, yeah. 
and then. But as as we'll see as we move on to the next race, it it uh, it continues. It, boy, does it ever! <laughs> continues. So. So moving on, we had our return to the 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 Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. Boy, that mm-hmm. seems like just such a cool track. Like it's. I, I, it just looks like such a fun. That's got to be one of the funner racetracks to drive in one of those cars. Well, I, I think that, and then just the the uh, max following. Uh, I mean, have you have you ever seen a bigger uh, following than that? I guess that uh, he is the most recognizable or or famous person in the entire country. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, one of the. I was talking to a friend of uh, your cousin, who played softball, and uh, one of her teammates from her uh, softball days had, uh, has gone on and played softball in Belgium and the Netherlands and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And she was driving us to the airport when we were going uh, on our fortieth thing. And I just, out of the blue, I asked her, just, so what do you know about Max Verstappen? She goes, oh, my goodness. You know, and, and the people over there are just totally um, crazed about him. And it's a big, big deal and, and all of that. So here's someone who's not even in racing, but just from her proximity to the, the region and the area and her friends from Europe. Um, that she plays with, that's all they talk about. Well, I guess when Polt, he's one of the biggest American, like fan, like mo- most Americans cite Max Verstappen as their favorite driver too. Yeah, but it's like a, it's a, it's rabbit. It's oh, a yeah. rabbit. I mean, they saw that. I, I was, listen- I, I, had, I was listening to something, and they said it was like a sea of people walking to the track. Like just this, just, yeah, well, yeah. And, well, and it was see that, from, uh, from practice on. It was like just a gnarly party, loud, energetic, all there, all wearing orange. <laughs> well, you know, and I think you know, Max, basically the Belgium and the 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 Dutch Grand Prix, they're basically Max's home races. They're, well, he was born. What are they a hundred kilometers apart or something? His his mom. His his mom's family is all from Belgian area, I believe, and yeah. he was actually born there. But he was he was raised in the Netherlands, <clears throat> and is right. is Dutch. I think he claims Dutch by nationality. But yeah, it's a huge deal. I mean, it's such a big deal that like they, they that's one of the main reasons that they keep Zanvart and that they a brought it back and then have kept it on the calendar is because. I mean, I mean, Max is without a doubt the like the biggest star. I mean, next to Lewis, but I think he's. I mean, he's quickly overshadowing Lewis. Let's be real, especially with without Lewis being able to really compete against him. Right. Um, but was this a, was this a, like an insanely strategic race or what? It was. We have man. This is the one. This is a race. I was we for all of you guys to know. Me and Dad haven't talked yet about this and I'm the most excited to talk about this race because I was losing it um uh during the race and 
And it was really exciting to see Mercedes actually be in the fight for something again. And, well, and Ferrari to drop the ball again to to, to leave them in that place. Um, well, I think that I think that, Mer- that Mercedes probably entered into a realm of boneheadedness as well. Yeah, you know? yeah, did they or were they always going to be on the back foot, you know? Like what I I I, well, I, re- I remember talking to my friend Jim. You guys know Jim from he was a guest a couple episodes ago. Um for the Silverstone Grand Prix and I was like Max is going to win. Like I I I was like he's going to like let's let's be real. He's going to win. And then it was there was those those brief little glimmers of hope where he might not, and then right. you know a very str- unstrategic or strategic Alphatari breaking down so that Mac gets a free pit stop and uh, oh let's get into it let's get into it um well we had I mean let's just get straight to it how. Like, I, I get there was a lot of conspiracy that, like, you know, AlphaTauri sabotaged Sonoda's car in order to 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 get a free pit stop for Max. And it all seems so, so, uh, so coincidental. But um, it that, that doesn't that's not the case. And it, it, it doesn't make any sense for that to be the case but i was just saying that it was bullshit at the time because it just felt wrong and i just am like the one chance that we have to have to see a ferrari or i mean to see a mercedes back fighting and and looking quick and actually having pace and um and and also i just wanted to see max have to pass lewis and george for the win I don't care if he went on to win it. I just didn't want him to, you know, another one of those finishes where it's he's 17 or 18 or 20 seconds ahead of his teammate. You know, let's just let's just be real. It's boring. Um, and then yeah. Sonoda just has that breakdown. And then it, the characteristic of the breakdown, I've never seen anything like it before in all the years I've watched this sport where – Oh, it's the wheel. Oh, it's not. Oh, it's and then like to like be let out, then to not be let out, then you know like, what do you? What was your take? Well, I thought, okay, so I I get it. There, a wheel didn't get properly put on or whatever, and uh, so I can understand why. But usually, much like a flat tire, they just keep going until they get back to the pit yeah well why did why did yuki pull off on a narrow i mean there was only what 10 feet of grass off the racetrack before the barrier like duh it's not going to bring out a safety car yeah and then apparently he loosened his safety strap yeah and then all of a sudden um they said well keep going yeah. Keep going. So he pulls off and then there was some talk. I thought I heard something about um stop stop you know, urgently stop 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 the differential or something. Was, well he kept saying something's wrong. And I think there was the confusion was is that Sonoda didn't have the 
doesn't have the, the best understanding of the technical or strategical side of things. And he already misdiagnosed what was going wrong with the car once. And so they, were, they weren't really listening to him. And so they brought him in. They changed the tires anyways. They tightened up his belt. And they sent him back out because they're like, hey, tires are fine. Get back here. And he's like, but I've unloosened my belt. And they're like, well, tighten them down. And then they sent him out. But at that point, I, what I don't get is why he ever went back out from there. Like, what are you going to salvage? You're, you're a minute, yeah, if, you're a minute if you behind. Think your car, yeah, if your car is so badly functional that you couldn't nurse it back to the pit where, you know, where people have destroyed tires from a puncture and they're literally driving on three tires yeah. they still get back to the pits eventually yeah and, and then he's loosening his belt you kind of you yeah, know at the time i didn't think conspiracy theory but you know but here's, here's the thing to shut up the conspiracy theory that is like why on earth would red bull engineer something like that which would get them disqualified right in the championship from a championship that they are for sure going to win for sure. It's, it's, right. it's, 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 I mean, it could happen at the next Grand Prix. And if it's not going to happen at Singapore, <laughs> yeah. then it's going to happen at the, the following one. Like, Max is going to be the 2022 world champion. Red Bull will be the constructor champion. It's, it's a certainty. The only thing that would happen, like, and I don't even want to say it. I mean, Max would have to be removed from the sport in some way either injury or death yeah. or disqualification. That's but too that, much of a risk. That's, and that's it's too much. You would think that you would use that kind of strategy in a, in a 2021 Abu Dhabi scenario, not a 2022 certainty. Like, I mean, Max could not attend the next four races and, you know, and come back and still win it, you know? Right. It just yeah. it does, but it. I was just angered at the scenario that was taking place because it's again another instance where the fans, where we're being robbed of good racing out of something that just seems ridiculous. And why they sent him back out then to find that his diff is broken? Like you, like just bring it into the garage. You're done. You just spent oh two minutes. You're two minutes behind. And there's only in your past half race distance, what are you going to do anyways? Like, and that's what I feel like the FIA should have just been, like stepped in and at least investigated the situation and just been like, this is silly. But yeah, uh, we were, but then that did set up for, what was there? There was another safety car. Didn't somebody else? Um, yeah, it was, uh, no way. Um, Oh yeah, Botas stopped on the main straight. Yes, okay. that, that, that's toward the end of the race, lap fifty-five. Um. Anyways, let's just we'll just we'll just skip to the chase where we end up with another safety car. Max pits for softs, and we have Lewis moves up, inherits the in, inherits first P one. Russell is right behind him, and Russell calls, let me pit. Let me pit for softs. I'm pitting for softs, basically. He doesn't even give him the option. 
And my question to you is, do you think that they should have let that happen or should they have left Lewis and Russell out with Russell as the, as the one car buffer to Max, even though they were on mediums and he was on softs? Do you think they should have done that? Well, I think that it was really Russell really pushed it to come in. And had he... Yeah, but how he many already, times did Botas, when Botas was was Hamilton's teammate, scream and plead? He said, I don't even care. Put me on a different strategy to him. I want to be on a different tire than him. I don't want to do the same thing. Like, put me on a different strategy. Let's try something different. And, and like, they would say, no. You know, no. They would clamp it down. And yet, Russell is now, I'm coming in for softs. You know, like... Like he just it like it just like it wasn't even a debate, and it just left Hamilton out to dry. Yeah, and I mean it wasn't it wasn't even halfway down that main straight without DRS. Max got him on the restart. Well, that was kind of that restart was pretty brilliant by Max. I mean, I uh, yeah, he carried. He got you such know, he a drag he bagged the toe. He, he got a toe on that, uh, that bank you know, turn. You know how he wouldn't have had a toe on Hamilton is if he would have had his teammate Russell right behind him. Well. And maybe, I still think Max would have got it. I do. Here's what, well, I don't know. I'm going to put, I'm going to hold you. Do you, what do you think they should have done? Do you think they should have let Russell pit? Or do you think they should have left him out? Or what, or something other than that? What do you think? Well. As you kind of, we were talking about it before we got on was this was at least to this point in the season, this was Lewis's best chance. So far, only chance. Well, so yeah. Yeah. Only chance, but certainly the best chance to, uh, for him to continue a streak of, um, that every season he's raced, he's at least, he's at least one, one race, one race. And so, can you? If Hamilton would have come in and got soft, well, they he was on medium. They were both on mediums, but then that would have conceded track position to Max. And then they right. they for sure weren't going to win if they both pitted. There's that Red Bull and that Mercedes on the same tire and same strategy. Red Bull's winning every time. I just that's just the, the fact. Yeah, but then you have to take. Then you're ignoring the fact that. The very uh, variable that you know Max can make a mistake. You know he could, he could, but he is also rarely does that. All right, but it still happens. I just think I would have rather seen. I mean, here you are. You're fighting for a one-two potentially. Not going to probably happen with Max on softs, and then you change it for a two-four. You know. And if that was the best case scenario, anyways, then still give him give him a shot, give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, with well, with with Russell blocking, maybe Lewis could have gotten his tires up to temp and could have held him off, and at least clung on to a podium, you know, two podium positions. Right. But yeah, he just yeah, there's just nothing there at the end, and uh, 
I think they should have either pitted them both or kept them both out. But to split the strategy, I just thought really left Hamilton out to dry. And man, did Hamilton let him know how he felt too. Oh boy! Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been able to hold it back either. Yeah, it was just kind of. I mean, this is just boneheadedness, and it uh, just didn't seem like Mercedes. It was one of those. It was a really. It didn't seem like Mercedes being Mercedes. It se- it seemed like they were, they didn't have a plan, and they let George make the call. And I, and that's the thing I think I'm so mad about from like being such a big fan of Botas all those years, and Botas trying to get them to do the things like that, and they would have just said absolutely not. You're playing the team game here, and they didn't play the team game, and that's why I feel like it was a it was a a bad move is that Mercedes seems always so confident and thought out and they make a, a team decision and that seems like they made a George decision. Yeah, I agree. And it was the right call, I think, for George, but it was for George. But it all, but then also we didn't even talk about the moment where they almost ran, where George almost ran into the back of Lewis. All right. You know, and that could have been, you know, now you have your drivers because Lewis, let's, I mean, let's be real. He's a hothead in the car at certain situations, especially with stuff like that. And right. you have that and you need, there's no team orders. They're, they're letting them race. So you have, and let's, I mean, let's look back to the Rosberg Hamilton eras where there were several times where they crashed each other out. And so you, you know, like without having that clear plan and team orders and rules, you open the door to accidents, but you also open the door to drama and dissemination and animosity amongst the team in an already challenging year, I just think I would have gone for the, I would have, I would have shot for the moon, you know, that's just, that's just what, and that's what I wanted to see as a fan of the team. I wanted to see, and a fan of Lewis and I mean, George er, still, I, I mean, yes, he's doing outstanding this year, but I mean, Lewis has a lot more history in that team and has done a lot more for that team, and I feel like they really hung him out to dry. And and yeah, George should have been more grateful yeah. for the opportunity that he's being been given, and he should have you know played the team game. And I I was talking about this with Matty O'Patty, and <laughs> Matt was ready to get his pitchfork out and go hunt him down, like and was you know like it yeah. just it just seemed slimy. It just seemed so self seeking. Right, you know, for such a strategic race there toward the end, yeah, and yet, and yet Mercedes, who is like, seems to always be the master of strategy, they really, I don't know, it just it, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I, I, it just didn't seem right. Yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, and I think I don't know. Okay. That's, well, let's move let's, on to another one-headed call <laughs> from Ferrari. Ooh, yes. We have the science, the science debacle. Science is having a, you know, a drive, another great drive, and then call him in for pits. It's a late call, last lap or last corner, and then he comes into the pits and they don't have a tire ready for him. Well, they don't. It's not. Yeah, they don't of the. They had a, They had three of the set out there. Yeah, but the, but the left rear was somehow missing. Like, how, what? And then, and then they, and then in that chaos, 
they have their their the wheel guy's gun wheel gun is sitting out so much that Perez has to run over it to get out of the pit. Mm. And I just am like, what is going on? And then they bring him in again, and they they get slammed with an unsafe release. And they take him from that. That gives him an, a five second penalty, which brings him all the way down to eighth position. Yeah. And it's like, how do you all ever expect? And then when when asked about it, they they defend their move. I mean, clearly it was an unsafe release. And they say it was because of somebody else and blah, blah, blah. And it's not Ferrari's fault. And I just like, you guys got to wake up and, and how are you ever, ever, ever again going to win a world championship if you're this sloppy and unable to like admit that you're doing bad? You know, like that's the thing that, that kills me. It's like it was just so blatantly unsafe. I mean, yeah. And I, but I guess, in all fairness, from some of the stuff that I've looked into, that Zamvor pit lane really isn't fit for purpose in these F1 with the size of these F1 cars. It's like the smallest pit lane of all the grids, and even so, so much so that in F2 and F3. They've made rules at Zanvart that there is no pitting under safety cars because they don't think they like the pit lane cannot handle a large number of cars coming in and out of it at once. Mm. But if that's the case, and if you know that's the case, then you should make a similar rule for F1, you know? But, and, and like, I think I've seen an, a very strong rise in a speeding in the pit lane and unsafe release penalties this season. And I, th- I really think the FIA needs to really crack down on it because I think we're we're desensitized to the speed that they're doing in these pit lanes, but it's still 50 miles an hour in most of the pit lane and most of them. In some of them, it's more. And that's like, and there's, there's mechanics and stuff out there without protection like it we're we're really like walking a line of seeing some really gnarly injuries potentially worse if if that's not dealt with better yeah i i would i agree with what you're saying i i i hadn't really thought about it but it really did I mean, there has been a lot go, of those just things. go stand out on a road that's 45 50 miles an hour and imagine you're kneeling with your back to a car doing that and it's inches yeah. away inches away from you and then you're sending cars out there who cannot turn around. They can't. They can't see what they're doing. You know, when you're yeah. in that F1 car, you don't. You can't look to the left. <laughs> you know. So, but I just think, and if I was a mechanic, I would be, you know, outraged at some of the stuff that's because it's, it's. It seems like it's increasing, not decreasing. So. Well, hopefully, maybe something will come out of that. We'll see. Um, the other thing that I wanted to 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 bring up is Magnuson's save toward the start of the race, where he nearly puts it in the wall and and keeps it going, and just just by the skin of his teeth. I thought that was pretty brilliant. Um, and then the other thing, yeah, because that was that was going to look like another uh, like a 
that was on the second lap, and it, it looked like it was uh, it could have been another Schumacher break the car in half moment the way that played out. Yeah, that if he would have hit that uh, barrier midships instead of just kissing off the rear wheel, it, it could have had you know a lot of cars splattered all over the whole place. Yeah. Also, I want to say I really enjoy races where Jensen Button is the commentator as well. He really does. Yeah. A, he really does a great job. He I, does. Mean, I love Martin, and I know that he's got to have some deal where he needs breaks and stuff. But um, I really enjoy. I really have Jensen Button. Jensen, yeah. yeah. Um, yep, and then the other the other thing that was kind of crazy, and it it's it's a uh, Vettel blocking Hamilton coming out of the pits. And kind of ignoring blue flags. I think he they ended up getting fined or it was noted or something. But I really have noticed a decline in old Vettel's performance since announcing his retirement. Which is a little bit of a bummer. So Yeah. Well just I think you just have to take that race by race. It's hard yeah. to really say. Um Moving on, though. Yeah, let's move on. Monza, the temple of speed, the home of Ferrari. Yeah. What a disappointment for. Okay. Yeah. What uh, is this? Is this the? Is this the race where the DRS really didn't? give you much advantage because no, the wings were so it's too much advantage i think oh maybe it was spa where the where they're running so little rear wing anyway that the cars well, it, are it, i mean it's the same for monza monza is one of the lowest downforce tracks on the circuit right um but it i mean so. it, it's kind of moot point if you're racing against the red bull who's all i mean it's faster without drs you know, yeah. the other cars <laughs> have DRS. Red Bull doesn't have DRS, and they're still passing them. You know? Yeah. Right. Um, I remember that little comment in there. This was another interesting race where Red Bull takes a penalty for both, and Signs takes a penalty, and they both start far back. Um, I and I was like, well, Hamilton start with nineteen. Yeah, P nineteen to start. Uh, and talk about another, I mean, just an absolute dominating race again for Max. Well, it was, he goes from seventh to fourth in half a lap. Half a lap, y'all. Like, and then Carlos, Carlos had a stellar charge up through the grid as well. I mean, and that's to be expected when you have cars, out of position and you know these new arrows but it's still monumentally impressive to make up four 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 places on the opening lap uh carlos was at p7 by lap 10 we also have to talk about devries nick devries right on i mean alex alexander albon had appendicitis and then with like hours before qualifying they called the reason to fill in nick devries is a 
Formula 2 champion. He's also a Formula E world champion. He has some sort of, I think he's like one of the reserve drivers for Mercedes. He's always sitting there next to Toto. Um, and he's also got right. some, but there's been a lot of, he's been bouncing around the paddock for a little bit. And there's been some rumors that he might get an F1 drive, but boy, did he, did he turn some heads at Monza and put in a pretty stellar drive and qualifying. Yeah. He qualified. Well, I can't remember. Let me look it up real quick. He, well, um, it, it, he didn't get, and I mean, he got into Q2, which I mean, Hey, putting a Williams into Q2 is, I mean, Latifi's only done that twice, and he is a full-time driver for the car, for the company. Right. You know, DeVries gets in there. He's never been in a Williams before. He's only been in two or three other F1 cars ever, and he gets into the Q, puts the car into Q2. And, I mean, it was a, I mean, the Williams is pretty quick in a straight line, and so that he did have a good chance at it. Right. Um, yeah, he qualified 13. But then with the with the penalties, it relegated him up to P8, I want to say, right? Right. And then he held it. And he held it for the he entire yeah. race. With much with, more experienced with, drivers really trying to get him. And he and did some everything. Although Williams... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Although Williams has has found great straight line speed, they're still one of the worst cars on the grid as far as the worst. The worst. (laughs) Yeah, as as far as being having any kind of consistency. Yeah. So that really kind of makes you raise an eyebrow too. So kind of excited to see what happens uh this next race. So um but it was, uh, it was, it definitely opened a lot of doors for DeVries, and now he's rumored, you know, to he, he's. We'll get into this when we kind of after this when we get into the news. But um, right, he, his his future in F one was really uncertain, and it it shows one of those moments where you know, I mean, and congrats to DeVries, but like a lot of Formula One is, you get a shot, you get a shot. If you're lucky, you get a shot, and and it's up to you whether or not how well you take that shot, um, especially with somebody who doesn't have a lot of backing. But let's put it this way. In one race, he's two points ahead of Latifi, who's been here all season. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it's awesome. It's a, it's a, it's, uh, 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 P9, I think. So he got a couple points, and, and really impressive. And that's huge for Williams, too. So, really, oh, yeah. really awesome. And I, I also want to say he's like a, a fit, fit guy, you know. And he's like, I, I thought my shoulders were going to give out. Like, I feel like, like he was yeah. really struggling. Um, Lewis had some had a pretty awesome uh, double overtake on Gasly and Norris. That was really cool. Um, how about that stellar, stellar overtake from Mick Schumacher on Latifi coming into the the first hairpin off the main straight there. He locked up and still made the turn. That, that looks smooth. That looks so smooth. It, I was like, oh, here comes a crash. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, no. For uh, some reason, the car decided to 
decided to follow the steering input. Wow. What a, what a move. And just, you know, that just showed the commitment, you know, he really committed to that and it, and it worked. Um, yeah, that's a, that was another eyebrow raiser that's saying, well, maybe Schumacher does have a shot here. That was, well, that was he's still, excellent. I mean, there's the still, we'll, we'll get, we'll save that for when we talk about news here just briefly. But before we move on to the news, the main thing, I, the, the main thing I wanted to talk about leftover from, from Mon, uh, from Monza was the finishing behind the safety car and yeah. how much of a, a real wet blanket that was to the end of a race and how disappointing that must have been to actually be at that race, be one of the Tifosi, have your, have Leclerc be in P2, P2 behind Max, you know, this is like, when was the last time they really even had a chance to race against each other? I mean, I just am remembering back to, you know, Bahrain and, and, the, the the battles they had at the start of the season, the give and take, the lap after lap. And I thought we were going to be privy to a nice little five or six run shootout, uh, five or six lap, three lap shootout toward the end of the race, and yet we just finish under a safety car. I mean, Ricardo Yeah, really loses. very tactic. What was it? 53 like laps, you didn't right? learn. What's that? It's 53 laps in that race. And, uh, yeah, 53. And, and Ricardo's engine gives out on lap 47 in a really inconvenient place on the track. Yeah. And, uh, and what I don't understand is why we couldn't just have an immediately have a red flag right then. You know, like just look at the scenario. You're not going to get a safety car out. Move it's like you didn't learn anything from last year that, you know. Yeah, or maybe they learned too much and they're like, well, we can't do that again, you know. Well, it was the thing. It was that Ricardo was. They say he, the car stopped between the two Lesmo turns. Yeah, and it, it was a very difficult place to uh, get uh, a crane in there. You would have had to bring a crane onto the track. Yeah, to to really move it. It's kind of like one of those things. You know, why don't you just make a thing? That if there's five or less laps left in a race and something like that happens, why don't you just red flag automatically? Or even in yeah. some other in, in some other FIA categories, they build in like a three lap reserve, where no. you know you they you can extend the race distance by a couple of laps in order to see that the race finishes. Under but then that would probably scenario. screw up the. That kind of thing would probably screw up the fuel strategy, though, and then there'd be a I lot of cars. It, that would get... I, I mean, it definitely has the potential to do that, but it also has the potential to really throw another level of complexity onto the fuel strategy. Because let's be serious, if you're going to be in a safety car situation, I mean, that's only going to happen in a safety car situation anyways, or a red flag situation, so you're not going to be using as much fuel during that time anyways. And... If you're one of the teams who's willing to roll the dice and underfill the car, which they all do anyways, you know, yeah. then, well, bummer. Now you're going to have to burn some, you're going to have to go slow and save some fuel. Well, then I think know? that would, then I think that there would be probably a lot of cars that run out of gas. And, and then that would kind of wreck the race. I, I kind of think that, you know, you plan for the race flap. If something like that happens with five or last, less laps 
in the race where you cannot remove a car within one or two laps, then you just red flag it. Then you don't have to worry about fuel strategy. Um, and I don't, you know, in a, when you red flag, can you change tires? Yeah. Yeah. So. Which would be less chaotic for a safety, from a safety car perspective anyways. Yeah. And I think that was yeah. one of the things that caused such a long safety car at Monza was that where the safety car, you know, took up Russell instead of Max because Max was in the pits. And so then they had to let, you know, and then there was the whole confusion about letting Russell pass. And he's like, no, the, the lights are yellow. They're not green. And, you know, there's a, there is the, the one thing that I will say is that, and to the credit, and it's where they did listen to the fans, is that the FIA and the racing stewards and the racing director followed the regulations to a T, which I'm, I am thankful for that. And I am thankful, and, and we have to remember that the chief reason for safety cars and stuff is the safety. I mean, you and I were both watching when Jules Bianchi smashed into the back of that backhoe and died. Yeah. And we, we can't have that happen again, obviously. And we can't put marshals and stewards, you know, at risk because it is dangerous to be out on a track when you have cars, even going at safety car speeds. But that's why I think the red flag option is still the safest, too. You're going to stop cars. You're going to get them off of the track completely. You're going to allow marshals and stewards to do their jobs. And you can let cars change tires and do whatever. And then you can give the fans what they want to by letting us finish with racing. Right. Like it just, it, it just doesn't, I feel like it just didn't need to end that way. And I was so excited to then just be like, blah. And it's like, come on, give us something. The rest of the season, like, we got to have some excitement. Like, I want to see Max get beat at least a couple more times. <sighs> yeah, I, it was just, it really just kind of was a letdown. It was a big wet blanket. Because you, you could, you were kind of anticipating that something could have played out differently than what you would expect it to, to turn out. At least, we, at least we wouldn't have known. Red Bull, totally <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah. Okay, two questions. I got a couple questions for you. Do you think Max, how many more races do you think Max will win, and do you think he'll break the all-time record? And do you think if he does break the all-time single-season race win record, do you think it's as valid because we have so many more races in new Formula what, One? What, what, what's the record? 13. I can't remember. Schumacher holds 13, 13 records. Schumacher. But that was in was a that season in the, of, I think, 19 races or 16 races? Yeah. So I think you'd have to asterisk, asterisk the fact that, you know, cause that's a lot more races. But it's still... I think in I think in theory, you know, Red Bull could close it. I mean, could win out. Well, what is he at? Eleven now. He's at eleven right now, and they have six races left. So, yeah. And I mean, let's be real. That Red Bull looks good at any track it goes to. It's not like it's well. I got... mean, if yeah, I mean, if Red Bull can, 
win four of the next six or whatever. Well, he only got to win three. That, and he wins, and he takes the record. Well, Matt, well, yeah. But that, how do you fudge? How do you say like a 19-race season versus a, what do we have, 24 this year? I mean, it's just going to have to be what it's going to have to be, you know. I yeah. Mean, I mean, Schumacher had more races than Fangio, you know. Like, it's that's just yeah. the nature of the sport. And I, as a racing fan, am glad they're adding races to the calendar. I mean, next year we have 24 races. Yeah. I'm so How many excited. do we have this year? 22? There was supposed to be 24, but it we, we dropped Russia. And that's also yeah. why we have two weeks off going into Singapore. Thank God. I mean, we'd be so far behind. If yeah, we had man. I'm like, I think my head is spinning now. But uh, so, well, when we look at the fact that mathematically Max could clinch the championship in this next race in Singapore. I think, I think, uh, uh or, or Leclerc has to finish lower than fourth and Max has to win and get fastest lap. Yeah. So, uh, which certainly is doable since that's kind of what he's been doing. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it is, it is, it is going to come down, but it is going to come down to qualifying. And I mean, unfortunately, Max is outstanding at that as well. But Leclerc could, you know, Singapore is a hard, hard circuit to overtake on. So, oh, yeah. Um, but this is a new era, though, Andy. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah with yeah, this, yeah. with this uh, ground effect stuff, that's a, it's, it's still changed, a straight circuit. Overtaking it's still... it, 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 but other tracks that have been known for difficult overtaking have that it hasn't played out, and uh, so, it is a very physical and a very very physically demanding racetrack and race. Well, and that heat. With, I was watching climate. It's a physically demanding climate. I was watching some of the stuff on Instagram. The good guys they're they're riding their they're riding bikes and saunas, and George is wearing like a sweatsuit riding a, a bike just oh, you know just dripping sweat you know like they're just getting ready to like condition themselves to be in that that heat crazy yeah all right That's what you gotta- boy man we still have we still have all the news the silly season news that we got to get through too oh let's but do it as a nice intermission because we missed it at when we were talking about spa i i have a, I, we do have a moment with martin for you guys that came from us from spa where uh Sebastian Vettel had a nice little over-under on Esteban Ocon. So here it is, a moment with Martin. No good getting older if you don't get wiser. And, uh, yeah, very, very nice move there from Seb. Not the funniest <laughs> moment with Martin, but... No, real, it was... A real it was pearl of wisdom profound. there. It was, a wiz- it was wise Martin. Yes. Instead of funny Martin. No use so. getting any older if you don't get any get wiser. Any- Pfizer. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Yeah. Okay, on to the silly season news because boy has that been I mean, while the while the drama of the on track has been teetering with Max's five race dominance, um the the drama and the news abounds, man. The silly season news abounds. So as we know, Alonzo jumps ship from Alpine moving 
to Aston Martin for a multi-year deal. Uh, then they say, oh, Oscar Piastri is going to take Alonzo's place. And Oscar Piastri says, no, I'm not. <laughs> and well, well, now the Oscar Piastri thing developed after, yeah, I think Alpine was didn't, had no clue that well, Fernando was going to jump. And so it, it took them a I mean, they, they just barely changed their diapers after that. And then Piastri says, well, here's the thing is because a lot has come out about it and they, I mean, Alpine massively dropped the ball for 2023. Oh, yeah. They could have had the one of the best, one of the better driver lineups and having an awesome driver waiting in the wings. And instead they blew through two great options just by not following just just by being bad apparently they i mean they just never offered a contract to one of the hottest up-and-coming drivers just never did it and thought that uh, this agreement that wasn't legally binding that contract boards overturned obviously because oscar piastri is confirmed as a replacement to mclaren for, to daniel ricardo who is also officially out um, at McLaren and currently sitting with no drive next year, but we'll get to that. They could have had, they could have sitting, kept but oh, sitting oh. without a drive, but he has what 25 billion to cushion his seat. Yeah. <laughs> he may not have a seat in the car, but is it 25 million? Is his buyout or something? I think it's, it's a, it's a significant, but, and all because they did not give Oscar a contract. They thought that this little agreement that they typed up was going to be good enough and they just dicked him around and I don't blame him. And I'm so ha I'm I'm glad that he's going to have a drive and I think I really think that Norris Piastri could be a really really stellar team if they have a car that's worth it next year. Um and but and then now you have a huge debacle of who is going to go to Alpine. And the number one choice as of this afternoon when I was looking and preparing for this podcast is Gasly to leave AlphaTauri and drive for Alpine. That was, for the longest time, hinging on finding a suitable replacement at AlphaTauri for Gasly. And the biggest one for the longest time was actually Colton Herta, an indie driver, an American driver, mm -mm -mm, uh -huh. going into Formula One, which would be a hugely awesome thing. And Red Bull was pushing pretty hard for it because Red Bull's number one sponsor is Oracle. Oracle is an American company. Uh -huh. It would be very beneficial to have an American on the grid now with three that's right you count it three u.s grand prix next year but the big but was is harta does not have a super license and um would not qualify for a super license and has not the time to 
qualify for a super license before the 2023 season. So Herta is officially out as a potential for any drive in 2023, which is a bummer. And it's, it's all down to nuance and stuff where there wasn't enough people competing in his Indy lights race. So his, his lights or his super license doesn't count, which is all kind of crazy because super license is so new to the thing. I mean, it was invented after Max came in. Um, so it's not like this hugely long thing, but Hurt is out. And now, as we, as we brought up in um, when we were talking about DeVries and his stellar debut at Monza, um, DeVries now is rumored to be the leading contender for the AlphaTauri position, which would be lined up next to Yuki Sonoda, who is confirmed for 2023 at AlphaTauri. So that none of none of this is yet confirmed except for Sonoda um at AlphaTauri, which I think they just don't have any other option. I really don't think Sonoda I think Sonoda's adequate but i don't think he's moved on enough to really have earned that drive but i also think that the pickings are so slim that they're going to sign him anyways because if gasly's out they got to have a driver they can't have two vacant seats um so the the rumor is right now or the the best thing that i've seen is gasly's going to take the alpine seat so we'll have alpine and ocon which i think looks i think they're pretty pretty happy on because it'd be two French drivers driving for a French team. My only thing is I don't think that that's, that's really, there's really a lead driver in that, you know, like I feel like Ocon and Gasly are, are pretty evenly matched as far as skills go. Um, what do you think about that? I think let's wait another three days and I mean, see yeah. what kind of roll it out. But but um, what's your gut tell you? Well, you know there are some pretty accomplished female drivers. That's not what I'm asking. Don't change the subject. What do you think about Ocon Gasly partnership at Alpine? Oh, that partnership. I thought you were talking about how to fill holes. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, I think they both are really good. They think, you know, Alpine seems to become strong. Uh, you know, I think they're, I think they're probably better than average drivers. I don't know. I think they're about I, middle of the field drivers, honestly. But I think Gasly's done enough to earn a, good, a better seat out of AlphaTauri. I don't. I think that doesn't give me much hope for what's coming down the pike at AlphaTauri. Um, but I would like to see. I hope that Alpine is. I mean, let's let's be real. Alpine, as of right now, is fourth in the constructors' champion. It would be a great drive. I'd be happy to have that drive. Heck yeah! And I think not so much this season, but previous seasons at AlphaTauri Gasly has really shown that he can put his head down and do some work and I'm excited for it but I I think they they I mean really what they should have done is has gone back I think to Ricardo or begged Ricardo to come back because I think Ricardo is a is a better overall driver and leader and has more experience than Gasly 
and has proven that he can do some pretty good things in an out. Well, it was a Renault at the time, but you know, I, I just think uh, it's a, that seems silly that they didn't go down that road, but they didn't. And I would like to see Gasly get some sort of decent drive. Um, right. Moving and then forward. what? What are they talking about now that Danny Rick made sign with Williams? Okay, so Dan, the only the options, I mean, I mean, since nothing's really confirmed, his options are Alpine, which they don't seem that interested in because they had a test and they had Giovinazzi, DeVries, and Dewin, and they've had Nico Hulkenberg. They released a list of like 14 drivers and Ricardo wasn't on that, but I think that's foolish. But Ricardo's option, so if, if Alpine's not an option for Ricardo, then it's Williams... Haas, the other thing that's been he's been linked to is a reserve drive at Mercedes, which hmm. it's a long that's a long shot right there that you're hoping that you do a season of being a reserve driver, which is really below Ricardo's station. But the oh, only, yeah. the only thing that I've heard as that being a good option is that. So, okay, so for 2023, you sign as a reserve driver and then say Mercedes figures their shit out and they are competing for a world title again in 2023. They do well enough that Lewis gets his eighth world title and then retires and then you inherit the drive and you have Ricardo Russell Mercedes. That's the best case scenario, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah, that, that seems like a real long shot to me. I think it's a real wrong shot. I don't. I don't think. Why would Lewis? I don't see Lewis retiring in one season. Not not while Alonso is still on the grid. <laughs> you know. Well, and you know, it just has been an unsatisfactory season. I mean, he's only, I don't, he's only 36. Right. So I don't see him going away anytime soon. De I definitely don't see him leaving without an eighth world title, if not a ninth at, at, on that. Well, that's what we would... Yeah, what, what a deal that would be. Okay. So I think Ricardo should take the Haas drive if he can get it. That's where I'd like. I think that's his best opportunity to stay, sit in the Haas for a year next to Magnussen, get to drive, you know, in the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Be, he loves America. He loves American culture. Mm -hmm. Why not drive for an American team? You know? Yeah. yeah. That's a great point. I mean, and it's just a season. Just sit it out for a season, hopefully gain back some some of your, your mojo that you've lost at this abysmal abysmal stint at mclaren i mean and he is a race winner last year let's let's not forget that but i mean it's still this year it's really gone backwards <sighs> well and, and you know it's interesting because i think i read a an article about how lando norris with mclaren doesn't feel like they're really the mclaren's putting together equipment that his driving style well and, and, and i think that's the other thing that's always been said is that you know it's that norris gets it and ricardo doesn't and but really norris is just better at adapting to it 
than Ricardo is. Because Norris has been outspokenly said, like you just said, that it doesn't suit his driving style either. It's just that he's, I just think Norris is a, a world-class, like really one of the top elite drivers. Right, right. But it, if, if equipment matches the style of a driver, I think just the fact of having a higher level of confidence with the equipment is just the mental game of racing is enough to really push somebody into another level of competitiveness. Yeah. So, but the one I don't thing, know if to do with Danny Rick or the one or, thing Ricardo has said definitively is that he is not interested in going into any other categories of racing. So he's not going to go do a stint in rally or or IndyCar or you know Supercar Le Mans or Le Mans something. or something. He he only yeah. has an interest in Formula One. So. And then I did see something on, on social media where it was like, I don't know if it was an edit or a fake or whatever, but it was him talking to science or somebody, and it was like they were following behind. He said, I'm just going to take a year out and see what happens in 2024. Because let's be real, he doesn't need the money, you know. But I, I would be, well, yeah, I but would it worked, be afraid it worked for of Kevin taking well, it. But that, yeah. was a, that was a lucky thing, you know. Well... There's been a lot. Well, yeah, I guess. I Once guess you so. leave the paddock, man, it's, it, it, it can be really difficult to come back. But I think Formula One can't really, really should be trying not to lose Danny Ricardo because he is such an awesome personality, so charismatic. He brings so many fans to the sport. Yeah, he, he is the winner. I mean, he is. And willing, he is. So. A very talented driver that is I, – I just hope it's not – this isn't the end. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah. It, it just, it, it's just hard not to like Danny Rick. It's just – The other rumors are – The other rumors are Giovinazzi. He's been a reserve Ferrari driver. Uh, the, the rumors are that – I mean, he was tested for, at Alpine by Alpine. And they, they just had a test a couple of days ago. He drove. Um, Dewin, I didn't know much about the Dewin, but he's an, he's an F2 champion, and he's part of the Alpine um, Driver Academy. And I guess they put him in the car, but they don't. they aren't really seeing him as – I think they're gunning for Gasly if they can get Gasly. But they would try and get Dewin – to be in the Williams for a, a year or two stint, which is what they were hoping to do with um, Oscar Piastri. Uh, so that that's the rumor is that Dewan might go to to uh, Williams and be because Latifi is confirmed out, Albon is confirmed in, so that would be Dewan at Williams. Uh, Gasly at Alpine. Haas is still out. Magnussen is confirmed and under contract. I don't think Mick has done enough to really stay there. Um, so that would leave somebody at Haas. And uh, also the other rumored driver is Nico Hulkenberg, who is, you know, has driven recently and is a, a, in his day a, a really talented F1 driver. I would love to see Hulkenberg back. 
But um, I just don't know where. Would that be at Haas then? He would be at Haas next to Magnuson. Um, but yeah, that's that's the the silly season as it sits right now. Yeah, isn't there isn't there a, a little talk about? Oh, like, Joe isn't confirmed this, either. Yeah, but that's all but, uh, that's all pretty rumored. I don't think Joe's going anywhere, especially after the twenty twenty four our 2023 calendar was released and China has been added back yeah. to the calendar. But I, I don't a, think that they're going to drop a Chinese driver from the grid. Yeah. But there's this, is he, is he F2, um, this Drugovich? Where's, where, is he from Brazil or something? I don't know. But uh, I just saw an article and now I can't find it. But um, whatever. I mean, it's it's going to get whack. I mean, this is like the weirdest silly season I can re- remember in May. It, well, since I've been watching. This yeah, stuff. definitely the most dramatic in a long time. Yeah. So yeah. And like I he, say, let's see what tomorrow brings. Who yeah. the hell knows? And then the other big news that has come out that was seemed such so concrete and is has really gone backwards is Porsche is no longer uh, going to be purchasing the 50% share in Red Bull Racing or the parent company of Red Bull and will not, as of right now, be entering into Formula One in 2026. And the thing that I heard is that they wanted more, a lot more control over the racing team of Red Bull than just being an engine sponsor or like a name, a sponsor, and giving them a bunch of money right. that they wanted more control. And Horner, Newey, um, and and Marco weren't having it, and they they didn't want to concede the the control over the racing team. Um, and it just it just went bad, and they they're out. They're not coming in, which I think is a huge loss to the sport. So well, and wasn't. Was it um, with the Red Bull uh, engine development? Wasn't that kind of in cahoots with Honda? No, well, it is as of right now. It is. It's still the Honda engine, like it is. It's just being yeah. called a Red Bull. Um, right. So does that mean that Honda says we're going to be out of it in twenty twenty four, and that was no, sort they're, of the... they're they're technically out as of last year. And that's why they went through the whole right. rebadging. But that's why they, they named it Red Bull. But Honda's still, With, I think, putting a lot into the to the powertrain. Well, they're still the maintaining it, but they're not they're not investing anything. But but they've actually kind of gone back on that, and they want they may want back in as well. Um, with all this boom of the sport, you know. I think you know. You right. got, there's, there's, and they've done meetings. They've had meetings, pretty high level Honda meetings with with FIA. Um, Andretti is still trying to get in. Audi is still confirmed for 2026. There, that's still a go. As right, a work, that's right. As, as a works team, as an engine supplying works team. Um, so oh, man, it's crazy. There's a lot to still. That could still happen. I would love to see Honda come back in, you know, 
And I would love to see Andretti come back in. Can you imagine having two American teams, three American races, two American teams, yeah. and then Herta's still, you know, rumored. He's still on the periphery to get a drive. Right. Having an, I mean, they've got to be trying to get some American drivers in that, in the sport, you know, with how much the, the, the fandom and the, and the sport has grown here. Um, but yeah, lots and lots, lots and lots. But we have really taken a lot of y'all's time, and boy, have I had fun catching back up with you, pops. And I, yeah, really, I fun. am super looking forward to Singapore, one of my all-time favorite tracks as well. We have a lot of good stuff to look forward to the rest of the season, even though the the drivers' championship isn't isn't under contention. Really, there's still, I think, a lot of really good racing to watch. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff to look forward to. We have the return of both Singapore and uh, Suzuka. What a, what a sweet, cool track with awesome, awesome Japanese fans that always make for a good spectacle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, the, they, they're the people who, like, glue car bottles on their hats. And yeah, and, and just do some of the funnest, wackiest stuff and give gifts and just such, yeah, cool, yeah. such really cool diehard fans. Um, plus, we still have the... the the U.S. Grand Prix at Austin to come. We have Brazil to come. Uh-huh. We have there's still a lot to come, and uh, so stay tuned. And we'll be here with definitely not as long a break in between the next episode. Oh, uh, and you know, Grid Grid Rival oh, Fantasy. Well, I was hoping you would um, bring it up. Is really, really turning out to be. Oh, guess who? A real exciting moment. I wonder who it is. <laughs> Papa Tisas, first place. You mean from last, from last to first? Yeah. Well, I'm still coming for you. If I could ever freaking get my team. Yeah. To... Well, you know, I did spot you by not entering anybody into my lineup for the first two races. So. Well, well, I I had a couple races where <laughs> I didn't have a team, a great team set, and then one several races where I didn't wasn't even able to set my star driver because I didn't even have enough money to finish my. Line up. <laughs> I've, goes, I've gone from just first to show you almost last. That, yeah, <laughs> it just goes to show you that fantasy competition is ninety-five percent luck. Yeah. Well, I. But I, it is fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening, and we're glad to be back. And we, there will not be as long a break between the next episode. Uh, looking forward to catching back up with y'all and and back in. Uh, after Singapore. Uh, Definitely. Thanks for your time, Dad. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have thanks, a great everybody. Bye bye. Later. <laughs>